0: You can find out more on my website, SusanKMacias.com backslash finding-home. Hey friend, thank you for joining me for this edition of the We're Not Done Yet podcast. In this episode, I'm going to share with you my two favorite words, and they're only three letters each. But if you are facing something difficult or hard, or you're just... Finding the emptiness, to a place where you don't know what to do, you're going to want to know these words. Okay, we've been talking in this series about some of the things we face in the empty nest. And you know what, sister, you might be tired and sad. And I get it because I have days like that too. We might feel very disappointed in how life has turned out. We might be angry or resentful even at some of the people or past hurts that have been um, done in our lives, if we have been alive for quite a few decades, uh, that means we could have experienced a lot of hurts. And it's easy to let bitterness um, just grow in our hearts and take over our lives. Life could take some hard right turns, you know, when we really wanted to go left. And people we trusted might have stomped on our efforts. But here's my two favorite words. And yet, and yet, these powerful words exist right next door to all of our sorrows. And it only exists because we have a redeeming, restorative father. I love the quote of Betsy Tinboom Boom as she lay there sick and on the way to dying. And she told Corey, her sister, that there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And we have to tell people this because we've been here and because we know. No matter what has happened in our lives, God is deeper still and more awaits us in our lives with Jesus, no matter where we are now. And you know what? We have an enemy with absolutely no problem with lying to us and telling us all the things we've done wrong or reminding us of all the hurts that others have done to us. Um, He doesn't he doesn't have a problem with that. He likes to parade our failures in front of us. He loves to blame us for our kids' problems. He likes to confirm any sense of unworthiness that we have. And he can just parade our, our family shortcomings right in front of us and, and confirm every fear in our mind. He doesn't mind because he kills, he stills, and he destroys. That's his M.O., and so we have to think about how are we going to respond to that? Will sorrow replace all of our happiness? Will resentment cloud our joy? You know, if we let bitterness poison us, we're not going to be able to fulfill our purpose. And I have I have this list of truths I want to tell you because of the and yet. And I'll have the scripture references in my blog post that goes with this podcast. But here are some, and there are only a few, a smattering of some of the amazing and yet truths in Scripture. And yet, when our heart feels broken and and our spirit crushed, the Lord saves and delivers. And yet, what the world or people meant for evil, the Lord uses for good. And yet, what the pest destroyed and devoured, the Lord restores. And yet, what the enemy tore down the Lord rebuilds. And yet our dirty hearts can be cleaned and our spirits renewed. We don't have to live with all the the weight of what we have now. We don't have to live in only the energy we can bring to the table because God is the God of renewal. He wants to bring new life to us. And this list of the and yet's of scripture of what God will do in our lives of what Jesus who brings life from death works in our lives it means that he can transform our most crushing defeats to the glory of God we have to take a step of faith though and i tell you what i have found a great deal of um spiritual warfare looks more it looks more practical than it does um spiritual maybe but it involves for me turning around and spitting in the enemy's eye. I just call him out for who he is because he is a liar. And here's what I figured out is that what he does is he uses enough truth to make me feel, um, in fact, let me say this differently. He doesn't use truth. He uses facts. He uses enough facts to make me doubt myself, and the Lord in his work. But what he doesn't use is truth. Because what he doesn't do is factor in Jesus. He doesn't give everything. He only gives one part. But any small fact out of context of the other facts is not truth. It's just a portion. And it doesn't factor in all that's going on. And if all we do is sit there and list or let the enemy list our failures, We're going to have a list of facts that confirm our worst fear. But if we can walk in the truth of taking those facts and placing them in the will, redemption and restoration of Jesus, we see all of a sudden there's a whole new transformed truth. You know why? Because Jesus is willing to use every single thing to his glory. And I remind Satan of that all the time. Yeah, shut up, Satan. You do not have to be polite. I would suggest not being polite to Satan. Just tell him to shut up. Get, by, get behind me. I'm walking with Jesus, and you are not telling me any truth about him. And that's very important. Um, we have callings that stretch before us in these empty nest years, and some of them are they are going to keep rolling from our previous years, and some are going to be new ones. And we need to be ready for those. But if we are hauling around a load of bitterness and we have burdens of of sorrow and regret, how are we going to walk on those new paths? Remember when we talked about, um, and I don't remember which episode it is, it's the episode about bitterness. And it talks about in Hebrews 12, where um, it talks about strengthening the knee that is weak, that we can walk in the paths that God has for us. And to do that, we've got to walk in his energy and in his joy. We are old. Let's just face it. I'm getting ready to be 60. And while that's not like, you know, 100, it's 60. It's 60. That's That sounds like somebody else's age, but it's going to be mine in April. And I, I'm okay. It's okay that I'm going to be 60. I have had a very full life and yeah, I'm tired and yeah, I have some disappointments. I have things I'm worried about for my kids, for my grandkids growing up in this world that they're faced with. And yet, and yet my obedience now is as important as it ever was. In any ministry that I do, from having a friend over for coffee to meeting someone and encouraging a young mom, any service that I do, it's just as useful now as it ever was. And maybe more because I have all the experience of walking with Jesus for so many years. You know, I had plans of what the empty nest was supposed to look like. And and that hasn't, <laughs> that hadn't really played out. And I want to tell you that it doesn't always look like we thought we, it was going to look. And in fact, I'm curious if anybody, your empty nest looks just like you thought it would, please let me know because I would love to know how you did that. Mine does not. And what I thought I would be getting accomplished, it's a lot slower and a lot sluggier than I thought it was going to be. And yet, God is still calling me. And if I look at scripture, and we talked about this in, in episode 306 as well, God doesn't call us to easy things. He doesn't call me to a writing cabin in the woods every week to sit and have hours and hours of, of just pouring out words on the page. That is not played out And um, I had a little dream like that, but that is not how life has played out. But God calls people to do hard things. His calling in our lives in this empty nesters may or may not be in our area of passion. He may even give us a job to do for which we are not naturally gifted. He may ask us to go outside of our personality or inclinations. He wants to show himself strong in our weaknesses. I mean, I, I like understanding personalities. I like understanding, you know, whether it's Myers Briggs, whether it's Enneagram, whether all those things to me help me understand myself and the people in my life. But God's not limited by my Enneagram number, nor whether I'm an extrovert or an introvert. That doesn't change what He calls me to. Look at Moses, who at age 80, by the way, still had the speech impediment he had had his entire life. And He is called to speak to the mightiest ruler. In the world, he's been out shepherding sheep for 40 years in the desert, and he's supposed to lead an entire people group who are obstinate and who are used to being slaves, so they don't have probably a lot of understanding of how to make themselves do the next thing. Um, it almost wore him out. He faced hunger. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water. Every time a problem would happen, they'd go back and say, well, I just think that we didn't listen to God right. I mean, it's like, remember, you're following the God who has uh, smoke by day, fire by night. We're pretty obvious he's here. By the way, he did all those plagues and he parted a sea for you. Yeah, you're supposed to be exactly where you are. But yes, it's hard walking through a desert. And yet Moses was living exactly the life God called him to and exactly the ministry that he wanted him to do. Now on the other end of the age spectrum, look at Mary. She's this girl who's just looking for what every other girl in Nazareth wanted. You, you get a husband, you have children, you grow a home. And she's faced with the unthinkable for a righteous young woman that she's gonna have a pregnancy out of wedlock. It almost causes her to lose her betrothed. She has no explanation for what has happened to her that um anyone's gonna believe. Yeah, God is why you're pregnant. Uh-huh, Mary. Good, good. That's yeah, sure. We believe you. But she um then has she she births Jesus and then she is present when he dies. And and I, am, I can't imagine the unspeakable joy of carrying God um, in your womb and of raising him. But the sorrow that she had to go through as his mother, I, I also cannot even understand. And yet she was living the life that God had designed her for. And we talked in episode 306 about Jeremiah. I love the book of Jeremiah. It is like to our times, really, if you read it, it it's sort of scary it's so much talks about our times but he in order to follow god's call on him had to speak such unpopular words that he was beaten his hometown has a um, plan to murder him he's constantly having to give the words of the lord in order to obey and everything he says makes everybody mad so there he is but to to speak God's words means he'll be hated, but to not speak would be to disobey. His life was so hard, and yet he was living exactly the call that God had on his life. And what's my point of these people? Just that, just in case life is hard and you're not working in your sweet spot and your passion is sitting on the back burner, it might be a place of, and yet, if you are being faithful and and faithfully following what God is telling you to do, and it's and it just might mean denying your desire at the moment, that does not mean you're in the wrong place. If you have gone through life, and you've gotten to this point, and you thought, I, this is not what it was supposed to look like. Yeah, that could feel like what it is. There's an and yet for all of us, even when life has been hard, and relationships have just not turned out like they were supposed to. And And God has you in places you didn't want to get to in the first place. And yet, and yet, find freedom. We've got to find the freedom in the middle of the hard that we find ourselves. You know, I would rather not live in a culture that is running so hard from every truth that God has put in his word that wants to shut up everybody that wants to say anything opposite of what is the popular rhetoric of the day. I would rather live in a place where I could freely just share and everybody would be, oh, wow, that's amazing. But that's not where I am. Yet. And yet, if Jesus has put me here in this time and he's put you here in this time and he has given us a yoke that is not going to break us, in fact, he's in the yoke with us in every crazy and mundane circumstance in our life right now, then even in this hard life, we can be sure that it's the exact life that God has for us. It could be that relationships with children are hard. It could be that marriage is hard or that finances are hard. It could be that your church life is hard, and yet God is at work. What do we find hard? That's what we need to identify today. Lord, What what is not what I wanted it to be? What am I mad about? What are you calling me to do that I don't want to do? What is my old bitterness that is still hanging around my neck, that I'm dragging along like an old friend. What are all those things? Identify them, write them down, and then get a big fat marker. And over the top of that list, write, and yet. Because God, who's the restorative, redemptive God from Genesis to Revelation, has a plan for your life. He does not want to let one single thing go to waste. Let's pray. Father God, the emptiness can be hard. Things aren't like we really wanted everything to turn out. I have broken places in my heart and my spirit. I have dreams that I'm really pretty sure will never happen. And yet you are in the middle of it. I ask you, Lord, to raise up an army of women who love you, who will serve you, who will look at the worst parts of their life and say, and yet God is for me. Oh, Lord, thank you for being a God who is for us. Amen.